DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that faith's past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Confirmation. Why does confirmation matter? Why does confirmation matter? Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's one of the sacraments of the of initiation in, in the church, and it's our being sealed uh, with the gift of the Holy Spirit, the third person of, of the Trinity. It's the Holy Spirit that, that animates the, the church uh, down through the ages. Uh, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to encounter the risen Jesus in, in, in a personal way. So to be open to the indwelling of the Spirit in each of us and to welcome the Spirit in, in that sacramental encounter is really an, an essential part of our initiation and necessary uh, for our, our life in Christ ongoing. It, it just, just stated that in that receiving of the Holy Spirit, that action of literally the laying on of hands and then the anointing with oil, that is something you have been able to participate in in a, in a really profound way, haven't you? Thousands and thousands of, of times, uh, thanks be to God. I've been a, a bishop for going on 19 years and have confirmed many, many people. It's, a, it's one of the happiest things I, I get to do, uh, frankly. Uh, but it, it is the part of our initiation into the church that the bishop is normally uh, personally involved in. I can be involved in the other aspects too, but, but for most people this is this, uh, the time when they encounter the, the diocesan bishop during the, the sacrament of, of confirmation. We, we know that the Holy Spirit is involved, and we encounter the Holy Spirit in all of the sacraments and in other aspects of, of, of the life of, of, of the church. Um, certainly from, uh, from baptism on, we have a relationship with the Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit in a very powerful and, and personal way. But again, from the beginning of the church, we, we uh, hear about it in the scriptures in, in the New Testament, that it, it was important for the newly initiated to, in a, in a particular way, encounter the Holy Spirit and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In addition to the waters of baptism, we might say, but really they're connected in, in conjunction. It's all part of the same initiation. Our experience is now that confirmation is often separated from baptism by a number of years. That's not always the case, and it's, it's not the case in the Eastern churches. Uh, but, but our experience in the West it, it is, is that. So it, it isn't as though we have been deprived of the Holy Spirit or we haven't known the Holy Spirit uh, after we've been baptized. But the church has always recognized from Pentecost that the, the personal encounter and the, the, the conscious reception of this gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, our understanding that, that the Spirit dwells in us, that, that that's essential for our life in Christ. Yeah, there may be people who have experienced again at an Easter vigil or at some moment 
in uh, a parish life where people are adults are brought into the church and at that moment they are baptized they receive confirmation and then receive eucharist but as you said it's been the experience if a child is baptized someone who is brought in at that infant state that a number of years may separate that why would that be I mean, just for that as a basic question and your thoughts on it <laughs> that's a good question it's a kind of an ongoing question we we might say it probably had something to do with the growth of the church and the desire to to have the bishop involved in the initiation of, of, of every Christian to the extent that, that, that that's humanly possible. It also may have had something to do with the fact that infant baptism, at least in the West, is understood at the beginning as the beginning of initiation, but there's a desire for the initiated person to participate more consciously in the other aspects of initiation, confirmation, and, and Holy Communion. But scholars and, and liturgists and bishops and, and others, you know, continue to argue about what, you know, when is the ideal time to celebrate the sacrament of confirmation. What we do know is that the bishop is the ordinary minister of, of the sacrament, and it cannot be celebrated validly unless the bishop gives specific permission to a priest, for example. So, so as you mentioned, at the Easter vigil, there is the general permission given in the church so that when when the parish priest is bringing someone into the church through the sacraments of initiation, they can all be celebrated by the priest with the person at, at, the, at the Easter vigil. It's possible for the bishop to give permission for a parish priest to celebrate confirmation in other circumstances. And that's sometimes necessary because of the number of people to be confirmed or the bishop gets sick for some reason that, that he can't, can't celebrate it. But normally, diocesan bishops spend a significant amount of time celebrating the sacrament of confirmation, uh, often with Young people, so grade school age or maybe high school age, it varies from diocese to diocese. Throughout the United States, it, it can be really from the age of reason, so about the time that the young person receives Holy Communion, till about 16 or 17. It would be the, sort of the normal time. So there's a range where, where that can be done, and people in different dioceses experience it, perhaps at, at different ages. But it's an important moment, obviously, both for the bishop represents the church for the parish community that's that's there for, to celebrate confirmation and for those who, who are who are being confirmed it's a significant and essential part of of their initiation into the church and and we've seen that it's important whenever possible for the bishop to, to be involved in that process of initiation in some way at a minimum we might say that the bishop is involved through the chrism that's an essential part of the celebration of the sacrament uh, it's only the bishop that can consecrate the sacred chrism, the oil that's used for confirmation, among other other uh, sacramental uses, and, and so even if the bishop himself isn't present, physically present, he's present. We might say uh, through the the oil that that's used and touches the the one being initiated, at least in that way. Yeah, it's really it's really quite lovely when you see that. We we spoke uh, earlier about the right of welcoming, uh, and essentially that where they will come down to the cathedral from all over the area to be able to at least have the opportunity to shake your hand so that you can meet them, look them in the face, and welcome them. And then you also, as you said, have the chrism that's anointed. It, it goes even to that identity of the Catholic, in particular of the four marks of the church, one holy Catholic and apostolic church, that acknowledgement of the bishop, and the importance of your role as shepherd you know, I don't know if people realize this, but even the presider's chair 
at in the church is meant to represent and has a connection to your chair of the archdiocese. I mean, it, it, there's meant to be all these moments so that you really are seen as the shepherd of the flock. I mean, what an awesome role. That's a, it's an essential role in the church from the from the very beginning, from from the time of, of, of the apostles, and we see this sacramental unity uh, affected in in different ways. So the the bishop is the one who ordains the priests who serve in our parishes, and they remain uh, connected to the bishop sacramentally and through the governance of the of of the diocese and through the, just the fraternity that we have in Christ as a as members of the presbyterate of the diocese. The the bishop and, and the priest together, through the the oils that are blessed and consecrated at the Chrism Mass for Easter, those oils are used in the celebration of the sacraments in various places in parishes and other institutions in the diocese, the, the ordination of deacons who also serve in, in our parishes and, and celebrate some of the sacramental rites. And then the, the bishop has the the shepherding or the governing role, and, and an important part of that is, is to oversee how the liturgy is celebrated, and we might say a, a particular responsibility for the, the celebration of the sacraments. So the, the church has had care for the sacraments from the beginning, and it's a particular responsibility of the diocesan bishop to see that our people have access to the sacraments, and that when the sacraments are celebrated, they're done validly, certainly at a minimum, but then also with beauty and, uh, and reverence in a way that helps to reveal the, the mysteries that are, are being celebrated. You know, something this has just occurred to me as a, an interesting footnote, I think, that one of the responsibilities that people may not be aware of is that when you enter into each church, once you come to visit as that shepherd, there's an important action of checking what we call it, checking the books where you take a look at the baptismal records and the marriage records, and even those who have died, and just to make sure everything is ordered and they have to be placed in a safe. There are so many right now, Archbishop Lucas, who are experiencing the value, the richness, because of ancestry quests. People who are now beginning to try to identify, who am I? And they go back and they look, and almost all those records have been fortified because of the care for generation upon generation, centuries really, of the, and we may not have even realized it when we were doing it, but how that gives us a sense of identity, not only of who we were, where we came from, but also the faith life that's been passed on to us. That's an important action, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We, you know, at the right of election, so when, a, when adults are coming into the church, through the sacraments of initiation, their name goes in the book of the elect. So that's an ancient tradition in the church. It's not uh, an essential part of the sacrament, but a beautiful custom that helps us see that our name is on the rolls. You know, where our name is is written in the book with all of those who have gone before us in faith. So we're we're part of that that group. I don't know how how far back this goes, but long way. Have we've kept records of this of the sacramental activity in the life of, of each person and in, in the life of, of the parish. So there are sacramental books that are that are kept it's those they have serve a number of purposes i think you know now as people look for are interested in their heritage and in the heritage of faith in their families as well as in the just the, strictly their their ancestry the parish sacramental records can can become important i think for any of us you know it's it's kind of 
beautiful to think of who our ancestors in, in the faith have been. I have a great-grandfather that shares the same name. I share his name, I should say. He grew up in England and celebrated his sacraments there. But I have his baptismal certificate, and I have his confirmation on First Communion certificate. So it's, kind of, it's interesting. They have the same name, my same name on them, George Lucas. But um, it's nice to have that record. And often we'll, from the records in the sacramental books, we'll provide certificates for our people so they have something themselves to, to hold on to. Because we know that these, the celebration of the sacraments are not only important milestones, but they have been a turning point or a, a change of direction, a, a change in our configuration, the other members of the body of Christ in our relationship with the Trinity. There are meanings on so many levels. So it's usually the custom when the bishop visits, often for confirmation. It's not every time we come into the church, but when we visit a parish yearly, maybe every couple of years, whenever we happen to have a visit, that we take the time to look at the parish's sacramental records. It's a way of, of the diocesan shepherd being aware of the sacramental activity of the parish and, and of the diocese. And it's a track, too, we have to say, that the parish is keeping the records current so that there is an accurate account of the sacramental celebrations in the church for the time when somebody might need that record or, or want it, and, and then we can be assured that it will be there and be legible and, and uh, usable. Uh, yeah, I think it drives home the fact that we may not always appreciate why we do the things we do, but God has a bigger plan. And because of that, we've been brought into not just an organization again, but we've been brought into a relationship. And part of that charge, particularly on you, the weight of it on you, I know you, you are always so humble in asking for people's prayers, because you do oversee that relationship in a very real way for this particular area that, you, that you've been given charge of. Sure, and I mean, I'm blessed. We're all blessed in this archdiocese. I think this is the case many, uh, in many places where we have you know, wonderful priests and deacons and, and such good people working in our parishes you know, who take the responsibility both for keeping the records of the sacraments but then also to see that they're celebrated uh, well and, and properly. I see that every place, and really grateful for it. I don't take it, don't take it for, for granted. But uh, another point that, that's worth mentioning, that you reminded me of uh, just now, is that we're not always aware when we celebrate the sacraments of exactly what's happening, and we can never understand the mysteries com- completely. But we grow into an understanding, and we grow into our vocation in Christ and in the Church. So, for those of us who were baptized as infants, we were we didn't have any awareness of what was happening on the day that it happened, but I think we have had the opportunity and the grace has been provided for us over the years to become more aware, to appreciate more, to love more what it means to be a member of, of, of the body of Christ. Many times children receive their first Holy Communion at the age of seven or eight. They have a limited understanding. They can understand it beautifully, really, but on, on a child's level. The rest of us, I hope, have we can look back and remember the day of our first Holy Communion, but, but have seen that we've been able to grow into a more mature appreciation of, the, of that sacrament and the responsibility that it, it places upon us to, to love others as, as we have been loved in, uh, in Christ in, in the Eucharist. So it, it's important that we see the sacraments not as, as a sort of a done deal or an event that happens that we sort of check off of our life's accomplishments 
but it's an encounter with Jesus that he wishes to continue and offers us the grace in the church and the community of believers to, to grow in an appreciation of, of what it means to, to encounter him in that way. You know, over the years, you've, and we've alluded to this several times now, you've had the opportunity to gaze out from the presider's chair as these young faces are coming forward to receive this gift, to navigate in the world. And, when, and as you're sitting there and you, you look at them, they are young people who are in a incredibly changing world. The, the environment they live in uh, could not have been conceived of even 50 years ago. From Not only just the, the isolation of what is termed social media, which in some ways is a twisting of what it is to true, truly be social, but just their constant distraction and inundation of a world that is in a very real way corrupted. And for you to, to see that this gift might be able to serve them and touch them in a particular way, that must be a, an incredible moment. Right. We shouldn't send them into the world to face it without the, the help of the Holy Spirit. It's important to, to remember, though, that the gift of the Holy Spirit was never intended to be experienced in isolation. So, again, it's not my private possession or accomplishment when I'm confirmed, uh, for, for example. When the, the first disciples were praying on Pentecost that they would receive the gift that Jesus had promised, they received it in the community of, of the disciples and then began with the help of the Holy Spirit to invite others to that experience of Jesus within community. And this is where we are kind of struggling to serve our young people well, I think, both in the, in the context of confirmation but in the larger context of their life in Christ. The community of believers, we need to be more focused, I think, on and more committed to really offering a, an environment of Christian support to, to our young people as, as they're growing up. They're being influenced by all kinds of people and things and social media, as you mentioned, other things, too. We have something beautiful and powerful to offer them that's life-giving, and we haven't been as explicit enough in our efforts to have an influence on them uh, as, as we might be. That's kind of a blanket statement, of course, but here in the Archdiocese, I think we're, we're seeing this as part of our challenge, an important part of, of the challenge, that as disciples are invited to, in, to encounter Jesus and then sent by Jesus out into the a world, which is, you know, it, it's our mission field, and it's very raucous, corrupt, disorienting in all kind of, of ways. But we have what we need if, if we'll take, it, take advantage of it. But we're never meant to do it alone. And unfortunately, I think that's the experience of both of the celebration of the sacraments, but also the experience perhaps of, of many young people that they, they're somehow expected to do something or accomplish something by themselves. And that's not possible. It's not the, the life in Christ that uh, the Holy Spirit makes possible for us. It's good for us uh, to reflect on what's described in the Acts of the Apostles. As those first disciples went out into the world with the light of the gospel, it was a pagan world. It was hostile in, in so many ways. Yet the Holy Spirit gave them what, what they needed. The Holy Spirit was at work in the hearts of people who, who received their witness, and the Spirit worked very powerfully in the witness that they gave, and people began to come to the Lord in great numbers. Now, you've I, I've lost track of the number of buses that head out in the summertime to various youth conferences around the country and take our kids uh, with them. And that has become a source of incredible uh, encouragement 
not only for the communities that send them off, but for that, that group of young people. As you said, they foster an, an unbelievable communion, not only with Christ, but with their fellow travelers. It is our responsibility in the church to create th- these experiences where young people, but adults too, for sure, really see that there's evidence that there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit really is alive in the church. We know that our, the experience of our faith is not only about sort of ex, uh, human or emotional experiences, but it, it can't happen without those. And so these retreat opportunities, both for young people and for the adults who go along and participate, but also adult experiences of retreat or uh, Curcio or CEC weekends, that, that uh, Christ renews his parish. I mean, there's a number of those experiential things that are very solid in terms of their content and liturgical experiences, but really do stir up something in the the hearts of of those who who participate. That was part of the experience of the coming of the Holy Spirit at the very beginning, and it needs to be offered to both young people and and adults these days. We have different dispositions, and and we participate and respond to those things each a a little differently, perhaps. But but to have a communal experience, and for for young people especially, of life in the Spirit, life in Christ, that those retreat opportunities, that's a great source of, of strength for them and really does deepen an awareness of what has been given to them in the Sacrament of Confirmation. Also, you've had the opportunity in Washington, D.C., when, again, busloads of young people come in an incredibly cold environment on occasion to be able to march for life and to try to be a voice for the voiceless. And that's very powerful. Again, that's an action of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Whenever I confirm young people in the, our parishes, I always, uh, at the end of the Mass, invite them the next time that we meet to remind me that I, that I confirm them. I like to ask them, how are you using the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And uh, I get in- encouragement from them. Sometimes they ask me the same question. So that, that can be a great conversation uh, b- between people who, who have been confirmed. Certainly at an event like the March for Life, other things like that, the evidence is right there of how they're, how they're using the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're praying together. They're giving up some time, really making a sacrifice to travel, but also giving a, a public witness to the, the joy of the gospel, witnessing the, the gospel of life. In their strength in numbers, of course, as they give that witness, but it's, it's often in a, the context is somewhat hostile or indifferent and and so it's a good opportunity to give witness. And we, as more mature members of the church, we can help provide those, those opportunities for young people, but they take advantage of them readily, and they do make a difference. The Holy Spirit is really at work, and they ex- uh, experience often a personal transformation because of the pilgrimage, because of the time together, because of the prayer together, the opportunity to reflect, the, the chance to witness. It, it's all, those things are all, beautiful elements of their life in Christ. Archbishop Lucas, when there are those who are coming forward to receive this gift of confirmation, to be able to receive this spirit, what's your hope? What, what would you hope to be able to see in them? Well, uh, most of those that I uh, confirm are um, 14, 15, 16 years old. Uh, my hope is that they have already encountered Jesus Christ and that they have experienced how close the Lord is to them. 
they would not be receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit if they weren't his disciples. It's a gift that Jesus gives to his disciples. It doesn't just fall on us like rain. So I love being with them. Our young people are always well-prepared. We've come to a point where we're celebrating the sacrament at a time in their lives when they have a lot of distractions and and a lot of questions and and confusions, really. So there is always a question of whether this is the best time to celebrate the sacrament, but I think it's fine. And they have the opportunity to prepare, to, to study, to learn more about our faith. In some places, we have wonderful retreat programs and other kinds of formation that I think touch them very deeply. But my hope is certainly to start with, they've had that opportunity to, to encounter the Lord, that they've experienced his love, that they know he's right there with them, that they can call on him, and he, he wants to be part of their lives and everything, and especially wants to be with them if they're struggling or if they fall. You know, the Lord doesn't turn his back on them. So often our experience is that we have to please people, and you know, if we don't measure up, they, they kind of cut us off. The Lord doesn't treat us that way, and I, my hope is that our, those who are being confirmed have, have begun to have that, that experience already. Um, but then my hope is, having been confirmed, that they really will trust the Holy Spirit, that they'll have confidence, the Holy Spirit can give them that confidence, that the third person of the Trinity is dwelling in them, and that they have everything they need to, to grow into the women and the men that they've been created to be, that they really desire to be. Part of that, in our Christian understanding, if we're really going to be disciples of Jesus, is that we're not private disciples only. Uh, so my hope is that they'll be willing to share their faith with others and to be known as disciples of Jesus. You have to count on the Holy Spirit for that, like the first disciples did. We know that Jesus had given this great commission to his apostles, to the first disciples, to go out to the ends of the earth. After Jesus ascended into heaven, they didn't go out to the ends of the earth. They didn't know how they were going to how they were going to do that. So they prayed. It's always a good idea. And while they were praying, they received the gift that Jesus had, had promised them. And then they went out. They had what they needed to, to live their faith in public. And an amazing thing happened when they began to witness their faith. Many people believed. So my hope is that those who are being confirmed these days will have the sense that that's what's being asked of them. They'll have the confidence in the Holy Spirit that they can live their faith. And that they'll, that they'll also then have the experience that those first disciples did, that because of their witness, others can be, can be drawn uh, to Jesus. Mm, beautiful. Let it be. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Thank Bishop you. Lucas. Thanks, Chris. Good to be with you. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith, with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, and if you feel us worthy, Consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.